When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Upfront Dead Under. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. We have our first finalists and what finalists they are. Not just because I was right in my predictions and Rachel was wrong, but Spain are through after 80 minutes of absolutely sweet fuck all against Sweden that was followed by 10 minutes of absolute carnage. We look back over that semi-final and then look ahead to England versus Australia tomorrow, the biggest rivalry in women's football. Do we need to keep calling it a rivalry? I don't think we do, but we'll get onto that in a second. Right, Spain, Sweden, 2-1, Spain are making the final. Obviously, the semi-final was the first time they'd made it there. And now, for the first time in Spain's history, they're making it to the final. Rach, talk to me just very briefly in about 20 seconds. Uh, if you could sum up the first 80 minutes of the game in 10 to 20 seconds, that would be fine. Because that's that's pretty much the nothingness that happened in that first 80 minutes. I don't know what you were seeing out there, but I saw... Sweet fuck all. I thought the first half wasn't bad. I thought um, Sweden had their game plan Very pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it was dull as shite um, generally for 80 minutes. But, like, <laughs> I thought Sweden pressured Spain really well. Um, they didn't give them any time on the ball. Um, I thought Spain didn't look like they had a huge amount of ideas going forward, really. 
Um, and, you know, they had no shots on target in the first half. Um, actually, it was, I think, Sweden who came the closest. Uh, Friedlin Rolfo with a shot on the back post that, um, yeah, keeper saved. So there really wasn't that, you know, once we got into the second half, it kind of felt like... Um, Sweden started to sit back a little bit. I think it was difficult for them to maintain that kind of pressure for 90 minutes. And it was almost like they were waiting for Spain to make a mistake so they could capitalise rather than actually trying to create too much themselves. Um, I did think the likes of uh, Angadala midfield was really good. I thought she broke up play really well. I thought Canary was good. Um, but yeah, I think I was, I'll be honest, I was quite surprised when Bateas came off at 56 minutes. Um, but Paraguayo, who obviously like got them through against the Netherlands, comes on goes up front, Hermoso drops back into the 10, and oh my God, what an impact she had, because the last 10 minutes, everything just went like tits up. Controversial opinion. So obviously Spain's talisman, Puteas, everyone's been raving about her. Obviously context to that, she's just come back off the ACL injury, you know, first kind of like, you know, just getting first minutes off the back end of her season last year. Comes into the competition, but everyone's still kind of banners, waving flags, like she's gonna be our person. But has she delivered this tournament at all? She's not had loads of opportunity to do that. But like in this game, it felt like it crystallised it, that the games that Spain have played most well as well, she hasn't started. And then she was taken off in the 56th minute. And then Spain seemed to step it up a gear and get those goals towards the end of the game. It feels like we're seeing a very transitional Spain away from, oh, our hero, God save our Queen Pateas, into actually some more and more focused and more worthy promotion of heroes like Bomati, like Carmona, like they're stepping up and getting more spotlight because Pateas hasn't really hit limelight this season, like this um, this World Cup, would you say? I don't I don't think that's really fair. I think like a lot of Spanish fans Ooh, probably okay. wouldn't have all been right. pinning all their hopes on Pateas because, you know, she's coming back from injury. She's not really had the opportunity to reach her, her normal heights that we're used to seeing. And sometimes it takes players to come back, it takes them a little while to come back from an ACL injury, like there's nervousness there you know I think the fact that she got into the team is fantastic but I don't think many would have been hanging their hat on her being the the out and out star of the show this tournament um so I I'm not hugely surprised by that I think you're right Bonmati is is just an incredible player up there as player of the tournament so far for me um and Paraguayo I can't pronounce that very well can I but she's really made a mark particularly in the last two games um but I don't think it's that Pateas was not good. I mean, it, I think it's kind of understandable that she's maybe not quite as at, at her, her normal heights. 100%. I think it just sort of, I think there is this kind of um, fandom around Pateas, I think. That's kind of what I was getting. Not that she's not a great player, not that we have to take it in context in terms of like, you know, like she is coming back from injury, but also Barcelona have absolutely smashed their season. And then we go into Spain and Spain are making a final and that is without... Puteas. Like, I think it just goes to show the depth of the squad and that focus shouldn't just be given to Puteas, which historically I think it has. That's probably what I'm trying to say in a better way. Um, but let's focus now on Paraluela because I, I mean, the game against the Netherlands, she came on, she was there in Spain's moment of need. And then second time out, she's a teenager, she's 19 years old. World Cup, first World Cup. Okay, she steps it up a gear. The AC first minute, she scores, like the ball's at her feet. And it is not a hard, it's not an easy one to hit. She's got bodies around her. She's pretty much in the in the box by herself. And she curls one in the most beautiful way. Again, Musevich had no chance. It came for a sea of bodies. I mean, 
they showed you the angle behind the goal. She did not have a chance. The pace on it, the whip, it hit the side netting. It was just the most glorious of goals. And I think you can see how much it, it meant to her and the squad at that moment in time. It did. It looked like a bit of a stalemate that nothing was going to happen. We were like, oh God, it's going to go to extra time. And then she, she launches this rocket and the whole squad just bombard the players who were like the substitutes who were on the side and the whole stadium just went absolutely fucking mental and rightly so and everyone I think at that moment because Spain had so much possession yeah they weren't really having that many attempts on target but they were still having some good attempts towards the last 10 minutes so I think everyone thought well Spain have got it wrapped up little did us idiots know I keep talking about this okay we are not no one's an expert in this competition because literally sec it felt like seconds later but it wasn't the 88th minute Blomqvist I'm equalized for Sweden and after a classy layoff from who else? Lena Hertig. I mean, Hero Hertig, here she is. <laughs> <laughs> Scores like a penalty that sends the USA out of the competition and then goes and sets up this beautiful Blomkiss girl. I mean, like, Rach, what was, what was it like seeing this happen at the stadium live after seeing Spain, thinking it was wrapped up and then seeing the equaliser like minutes later? Well, I literally put in like the WhatsApp chat, I was like, here comes Hero Hurtig. <laughs> literally about 30 <laughs> seconds later, she she jumps up and heads it down. I'll tell you, I was delighted because I wanted Sweden to go through. So I was like, oh my God, they're still in this. And then like in the back of my head, I, it was like, you have a 6 a.m. flight. This is terrible. It's going to extra time now. <laughs> this is awful. Um, I mean, it was it was pretty special to see them get that goal. Um, but equally like a bit frustrating because it showed you can be creative, you can be direct, you can be, we know they're good at set pieces. And it just felt like they were, they waited too long to, to you know, they tried in the first half, they kind of sat back in the second and it kind of was almost too little too late then at that stage. But then I don't know whether they'd lost their heads at being, you know, suddenly back into it. But that like immediate hit back from Spain, like I feel like half the team was still bloody celebrating Blomqvist's, Blomqvist's goal <laughs> only for Spain to go down the other end and score. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay, right. This is the end. Well, it's just, I think no one was, I think after the equaliser, we were like, okay, cool. Right, it's going to go to extra time. That's just, we, we, we thought, we thought Spain had won it. Oh God, okay, cool. It's going to be extra time. And then a minute later, Carmona, 89th minute, struck one from the edge of the box. I mean, I've got to have a look. As, a, as a, I have been praising goalkeepers this entire tournament, don't get me wrong, I think they've had outstanding performances. Musevic has been absolutely incredible. You are entitled to errors. You are entitled to mistakes. You're entitled to be inches out, whatever it is. Like, you cannot get everything perfectly because there are so many strikers in this competition that have missed absolute sitters. So we need to take them as the same thing. But, like, Musevic, for me, looking at that, was too far off of her line. And I think... Um, she didn't really anticipate the shot well enough and it kind of, because it wasn't that high, but the way that she kind of almost dived forward into it rather than kind of like upwards and also like she just wasn't firm enough back to get a real hand to it because that wasn't at a bad height. Like it wasn't skimming the crossbar, it was at a saveable height. So yeah, probably, I think that's probably what, one of the things that's, that she's going to go back and reflect on, but also at the same time, don't look back too critically because they wouldn't be in this position had it not been for some of the tournament winning, like some of the, the game winning saves that she'd have pulled off earlier on. Yeah, and I think, you know, what Spain showed that if they're direct and they just shoot rather than, you know, fanny around outside the box trying to, like, dance over it and walk it in, they're so much more effective. And that's what those two goals show today. 
Um, but yeah, you know, it could have saved us all a lot of stress and actually made the game more exciting by spreading the goals out just a little bit more across the 90 rather than waiting for the final 10. <laughs> I think it's that you literally could have missed the entire game, come in for the 80th minute and like had a box office like tile. Like it was just a blockbuster of a 10 minutes, but it was great because it was just condensed. It was lovely because... Weirdly enough, the England press conference had annoyingly run over and they'd started it at a time that coincided with the start of the Sweden-Spain game. So thanks, England. Really helpful for all the journalists on the ground trying to cover all these games. But now that Spain are in the final, do we think there is a sort of... Uh, there's a lot of tangled emotions that come with this because the Spain squad are so talented. We've seen so many stellar moments. We've seen Paraluelo. We've seen Bon Matti step up. Puteas is back in the squad. We've seen Catacole step in after Mises' performances. Like We've seen a lot of talent coming through this squad, but a lot of people are obviously... There's two sides to it. It feels like, okay, well, there were so many issues in the Spanish side. A load of people, obviously very critical of Jorge Vilda and what's been happening with the team. We're still missing key players in that Spanish squad. Does it feel like Spain's achievements are kind of shrouded, I think, in the shadows of, well, we don't really want to achieve that much because it means that it will have validated all of the things that Jorge has been doing. Like, what what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's a conflict, that's a, it's, a, it's a complicated thing to kind of unravel. Because you want to celebrate these excellent players and seeing them finally achieving, you know, because they're so good. We've talked about their depth. They're achieving despite having a poor manager. But with every kind of win, it just emboldens him further and I feel like it further solidifies his position and they're the two sides right because you want to be happy for the players but equally you know what potentially this could mean and in terms of you know get not having him in charge anymore and it's such a weird one because like I said you want the players to win it but you don't want him to win it and ugh, that's probably the biggest frustration and like that just kind of tainted a little bit for me but equally shouldn't take away from the achievements of the players because I think you know it's it's down to them I think um I mean I've spoken to quite a few people about this and I was saying exactly the same thing I was like I don't want initially I was saying I don't want Spain to win it because I don't want Jorge and his his band of merry weird men to be validated by him staying in charge I absolutely don't want that but also at the same time I think we kind of almost need to detract away from that and just focus on the players who have done this amazing thing for Spain as a country who've created history for Spain who have inspired generations who have created Spanish history and just completely fucking sack off Vilda as like the kind of hero and the, the mastermind to this plan I know it's really hard to separate but I think anyone who knows about women's football will will know what issues have come in this Spanish squad and I think they will know the context to this win so yeah it, it's not it's not a win that you want against Jorge Vilda but I think we need to focus now on on the players go on Rach you're yeah no but I also think if we don't talk about it and talk about him being a problem at the helm no one else is going to because the federation certainly aren't going to you know the people who back him aren't going to so I think we should be able to speak about both and we should be able to speak about the success of the players and, and how well they've come and the history they've made. But I don't think we should stop highlighting the issues because then they'll never be fixed. I think it's that. I think the, the fear is that this now validates the decision to keep him at the helm. Um, and that that's I think that that's the biggest fear for me going forwards. And I think but you look at the kind of tournament that Spain have had. So if we look at the kind of roots of Sweden and we look at the root of Spain, 
It's been a, I mean, Spain have had probably arguably one of the easier routes to the semi-final. I mean, they could afford to lose to Japan. They had Zambia. They knocked Zambia out. They had Costa Rica. They had Switzerland in the final 16. Absolutely no problem. 5 nil. Cool, cool, cool. The Netherlands was probably their biggest test. I mean, Japan was a big test, but they could afford to lose it because they were already in a group that was sort of, they were kind of guaranteed to get through. I'm not saying, I'm not, that's no discredit to, to Zambia and Costa Rica, but Spain are at a different level. But I feel like the Netherlands were kind of their first real reckoning in the quarterfinals. So, and credit to them. But I do think when you look at the likes of what Sweden have had to get to, like had to come through to get here, they took out Japan, they took out USA, they took out the big dogs. And it's like Spain have just gone, thanks Sweden, we'll take it from here. No worries, we're off to the final. <laughs> have a good flight home. <laughs> like, um, think? But this is this is another reason why I kind of wanted Sweden in the final and hopefully, you know, root for England to get through because England and Sweden have had such similar journeys through this tournament. They both had a, a really good scoring performance in the group stage and then two, like, average performances. They both had a shocking round of 16 but managed to scrape through on penalties. They both won 2-1 in the quarterfinals. It just felt like we were getting to a point where the two of them were going to meet. You know, you look at Sweden's history, I think this is their fourth semi-final or something that they've gone out of same with the Euros they've gone out of the semi-final again and um, so I just it, I don't know what they need to do to get over that final hurdle and um, but yeah I I'd agree but like equally Spain have gotten through without playing their best football and you know a lot of people have talked about England getting through and not playing well and kind of in a quite a negative way but Spain have had a similar journey in terms of going through playing people expecting them to do better against some teams and still getting through and that's I guess the mark of potentially a champion um, it could be a really interesting final and see as well how Spain turn up in their first ever final um, whoever they play whether they play the hosts or whether they play England either are going to be a difficult battle If you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, well, well. I mean, we're yet to find out who's going to make that or take that final, final spot. England versus Australia happening tomorrow, 8 o'clock our time. So that is 11 o'clock UK time. I mean, England are now going to face their biggest rivals in women's football tomorrow. Or are they? Well, they're kind of the right. They're kind of the biggest rivals just because people keep mentioning that they're the biggest rivals. I mean, the, the amount of times that I've seen the press conference are, you know, we've got cricket, we've got netball, we've got rugby. Like they're all big. And, and everyone's like, every single player is saying... It's just another game. Like every single person that we faced in this competition is a rival. Like we get the crowd and the fans and being in the host country and having to play them, having to knock out the hosts, I think brings a different dynamic. But them being a rival in any other context, I don't think really fucking matters. Um, but I mean, Rach, do you have concerns about England and Australia? I think obviously they've got the home advantage. They're going to have the massive crowd, but we've seen massive crowds in Colombia and that was quite hostile. And I don't think we're going to have the same kind of hostility with the Australian fans, just that obviously they will want England to be on that plane home. And it looks like, I mean, we were speaking to uh, Tony, old big old Tone in the press conference today. And he was saying, you know, Catley's absolutely fine. Kerr's absolutely fine. Um, he actually gave us quite a lot of insight actually about Mackenzie Arnold because she was in the press conference and a lot of people were asking like, what was going through your thought? What was the thought process between you taking that fifth penalty? And she was like, it was something that was, you know, we thought about. It was, you know, Tony had asked me. I'd been doing penalties in training. Bizarre. Never done penalties in training in my entire life. Um, and I'd been doing right really well in penalties. I was striking the ball really well. So Tony said, yeah, you're up for the fifth. Um, and she was like, yeah, I'd be, I'd be totally up for doing it again. So if we do end up in penalties, I 100% think we could be seeing Mackenzie Arnold taking a pen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, what, what are your kind of biggest concerns about this matchup, Rach? Like, what are you kind of like a little bit worried about? I think momentum for me is what concerns me because yes, England are unbeaten, um, but I don't feel like they kicked on from the China performance and they were, they were poor against Nigeria. They were much better against Colombia, but still it was a close game. And for me, Australia have just kind of their performance has just been going up ever since that kind of Nigeria loss. They've been buoyed by the... They took that Canada performance and they ran with it, and I think that's massively helped them. Um, I also worry that Sam Kerr will start. And we all know that Sam Kerr is a big game player and uh, great watching her in the WSL. I do not want to watch her against England, let me tell you. Um, so I think that's... <laughs> well, we have seen that before. <laughs> that's what concerns me and, you know, how England are going to set up I think they'll probably set up like they did against Colombia. And I still have concerns about that midfield just a little bit. It's not 
it's not running as finely as it did against China. And I think that's because um, LJ isn't there. Um, so yeah, of course it makes me nervous. England haven't been playing their best, um, but equally have found a way to win every time. So I think the fact that they managed to play against Colombia with like, of the 75,000, about 73,500 of them were Colombian fans. At yep. least they've had Easy. that experience right beforehand. Yeah, and I think that will help. Um, but like, Australia look frightening and um, they've really kind of, it's the same thing that happened with England. That fan support has given them so much energy. And we saw England get through a scrapey quarterfinal in the Euros against Spain and what that delight did to them. How they, they had this massive like emotional high of getting through against Spain in extra time. And what they did in the next game? absolutely smashed Sweden 4-0 and that's what worries me about Australia well big old tone in his press conference was kind of channeling like inner salon vibes kind of giving it quite poetic rhetoric um very much so like people are like, oh you know the pressure's on you you're the host country like all your fans are watching like it's going to be history for your team and he was like actually we turned the pressure into um something that supports and lifts and guides us uh, and I was like tone this is not this is not the kind of sentiment that the English journalists lead right now. So if you could pipe down about this, that'd be great. Tone, can you tell um, us about the um, rivalry? <laughs> yeah, it was literally that. We get into really juicy stuff and it was like, mm, do you remember that game that happened in 2003 at the stadium? Millie Bright was like, I was barely born. Um, well, she was, but she was one of the older players, but still. Um, no one cares about rugby in this World Cup at this time in, in one of the biggest tournaments in the world. Um, but like, I mean... I mean, even like Mackenzie Arnold was saying, like there's been streets that have been named after her. There's been like so much attention around like, you know, the squads, like they get sort of like cheers when they walk through the stadium. They get cheers when they walk through the street. Like every time they go to a different airport, like people are screaming their names. And she was like, it, every single time we get an experience like that, it just buoys us, it just lifts us. And we want to take it further and take it. So I think that, that mentality they're not the most talented squad in this World Cup. Like, objectively, they're not. Yeah, they're but, all out. <laughs> but, they are, but they are 100% probably, possibly the most passionate and they have the most riding on their success at the moment, I would say. And that is a big, unquantifiable factor going into this game, which I think, is, I think that's the thing that makes us all most nervous. Um, but we will wait and see. We will be on the pod literally moments after the final whistle, once hopefully England are through to the final uh, for the first time. I mean, we'll be doing it either way. Yeah, we'll be doing it either way. I mean, if England lose, like we'll still probably have to do a pod because we have to and we might be crying and there might be tears like running down my light blue away top, which I'd like to see. I'd like to I'll have to I'll be wear. crying because I have to go to Brisbane. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll, I'll be joining you there, mate. And you do um, you do actually owe me a schooner for that ridiculous prediction about Sweden reaching a final. But we move on. We move on. Uh, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Upfront. We'll be back tomorrow after England's semi-final with Australia. Remember to subscribe in your podcast app and get in touch with your questions in the meantime on Twitter and Instagram. We would love to know your score predictions and who you think is going to score. Get in touch with us. I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rach is at Girls on the Ball and we are at upfront underscore pod you can also find us on youtube at upfront pod see you tomorrow upfront is a stack production 
and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.